Welcome to The Joy Factor, a podcast dedicated to helping you create a path to joyful living each and every day. We're sharing inspiration from real people combined with practical tools you can use to unleash the playful and joyful spirit already inside you. Now, here's your host, therapist, life coach, and yoga teacher, Julie Hansen. Factor Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Lola. For 40% off all subscriptions, visit mylola.com and enter promo code JOY when you subscribe. Our show is all about helping people connect to their natural ability to bring joy alive in their lives. We all have the capacity for joy. And as we've talked about before, it doesn't have to come on the heels of some event or an experience. It's really something we can bring alive with our intention, action, and through consistent practice. Sometimes, though, life throws us curveballs and we end up stuck in ways that make it feel impossible to find relief from emotional or sometimes physical pain, let alone being able to access joy in our lives. If you can relate to this, you're not alone, and I'm glad you're tuning in today. One message I'd like to send is that no one has to suffer alone. Everyone deserves to have a support system. Just for a moment, imagine that you're seated at the head of a long table. The table represents your life, and each chair represents someone who's earned the right to have a seat at your table. Who do you currently have, and who do you need? No one can create the team for you, but there is support to help you fill your table with the people and the resources that will strengthen your ability to enjoy your life. Today, we're talking to somatic experiencing practitioner and yoga therapist, Alicia Barman. She's someone I'm proud to have at my table, both as a friend and a colleague. Did I mention my belief that everybody needs a therapist at their table? Well, get comfortable and enjoy my interview with Alicia. Her wisdom is sure to resonate with many of you, and hopefully you feel as hopeful and inspired by her words as I did. Enjoy the show. Hello, Alicia Barman. Welcome to the Joy Factor podcast. Thank you, Julie Hansen, for having me. This is really fun. I'm really excited to chat with you and thought we might start with you just telling us a little bit about yourself and your background. Sure. Well, I'm a mother of a nine-year-old boy, which is a huge project, And I also am a somatic psychotherapist in Frederick, Maryland. Um, I'm also a yoga therapist and a somatic experiencing practitioner. That's my little byline today. Well, tell us about that, the journey that led you down these paths. Well, I think the conflagration of these aspects of the work that I offer um, are definitely an artifact of my own healing journey. I found 
much needed psychotherapy uh, about 20 years ago with a psychodynamic Buddhist therapist uh, and at the same time discovered yoga. And the therapy and the yoga kind of grew up together in me. They were very much integrated in my healing journey um, and supporting me through my own process. And then about five years ago, I took the SE training, um, which really shifted my focus and blew things up for me um, in, a, in, a, in a big way. So for somebody who doesn't know what SE is... Yeah, SE, Somatic Experiencing, is um, it's a modality developed by Peter Levine, who's both a biologist and a psychologist, and he, he studied animals in the wild and looked at the ways that um, they kind of arced through fight or flight and came back into homeostasis. And, um, you know, one of the primary ways that mammals, for example, do that is shaking. Um, certainly there are other mechanisms, but what he saw was that humans have truncated a lot of these mechanisms, like basic things like yawning, um, even belching, uh, are ways that we downregulate and start to move into digestion. Um, and certainly shaking and crying are complicated in our culture. And so it's um, really, it's, it's an incredibly meditative process of going into the nervous system through the portal of the body and supporting the completion of energy that got stuck, uh, whether that be a freeze response, a flight or fight response, or any emotions um, that may be stuck in the, in the system. So how might someone experience that? Like, let's say that they came into your office, mm-hmm. sat down, told you what, was, what their concern was. Yeah. What might they expect next from that process? Well, I would let them know that, you know, I'll, I'll be tracking their physical body and any sort of cues um, in gesturing or in color of skin tone and I invite them to do the same so that we can look for little ways that um, the body is communicating to us and the breath um, that, that, that there's stuck material. And so, you know, for example, if someone is starting to move into a story where there's some charge you may notice that their eyes get squinty or their jaw gets tight or or their hands start to gesticulate, maybe a, a stop or a no. Um, and so we would just slow things way down and uh, invite the person into that experience and see what wants to happen that didn't get to happen. And then we would support the completion of that energy as much as possible, though we want to do it in tiny little bite-sized pieces so that it's digestible. Okay. And tell us a little bit more. You said what wants to happen that didn't get to happen. So often, you know, trauma usually happens really fast. And so a lot of things get overcoupled, get kind of gummed up together. 
and we didn't get to, I don't know, press on the brake in, as we slammed into something. Uh, we didn't get to say no because um, our, our system overrided us, detected we weren't safe, and put us in a freeze response. Um, you know, the myriad ways that we didn't get to complete something. Um, so, so yeah, we want to support the completion. And also the other piece of why we don't get to complete things is that there's not support, the right kind of support. So, for example, people might come out of surgery and their body wants to tremor and shake out the anesthesia, but we tend to medicate that in hospitals today. And so if, you know, if, if, if there was more kind of education around trauma, and um, people were taught how to support that tremoring, then that would leave the system instead of staying in the system and trying to find completion in other ways and really messing up our sleep and messing up our digestion and even our capacity to connect. Wow. So when you think to the folks that you've worked with, what are the things that you think they've been able to... I know in the EMDR, we talk a lot about helping people go back and recover what's been lost. And, Mm -hmm. you know, just Mm -hmm. in terms of your own experience and what you've observed, what are some of the results that you've seen people be able to experience as a result of somatic Mm. experiencing? Oh, my goodness. Well, I can talk about it kind of in my own healing And what I've seen dramatically shift in my own nervous system is more of a capacity to connect in my relationships um, as I've moved through the stuck energy, kind of the the many ways I was in a high-functioning freeze for a lot of my life. Um, And certainly, you know, the more work I do on my nervous system and on making room by moving stuff through, the more space I have for joy um, and and connection. Um, those two things are very interconnected for me. I see a direct relationship between, um, you know, moving material through, moving the energy through. The meditation has been also an incredible resource for me, and it's important in terms of my relationship to my experience. But the SE, what that allowed me to do was move the material out so that there was room for more things like pleasure and joy. When you say my relationship to my experience... Mm-hmm. Our listeners might be wondering, well, what what does that mean? Yeah. So trauma is emerging uh, with our experience um, or a complete disconnection from it. And so we want to be in relationship to it. We want to be in a joining with our life and our experiences and our thoughts and our emotions and our sensations and our impulses so that there's choice, so that there's um, space to live instead of just react uh, and, and into our lives. I've spent, I spent many, many, many years react in a react, reactionary state, um, which is a symptom of trauma. And so as I've processed the trauma, I've just found a lot more room. Awesome for stillness and for for power to respond to situations with 
a lot of thought and care. Beautiful. Um, so what do you <laughs> wish, if you look back, um, what do you wish you had known when you were just beginning your training as a therapist? And, well, I wish I had known about the nervous system, and I wish I, I had really understood trauma. Um, you know, I sort of got it cognitively, but I did not get it in the body, in part because my training was not an embodied training. Thank God I had the yoga alongside that was sort of supporting my own journey of embodiment and coming into relationship with all this stuff in myself, in my tissues, in my breath, in the way that I sit, the way that I hold myself, the way that I move in the world. Um, And maybe it needed to happen in pieces like that. Maybe I needed to really get it cognitively before I could have a direct experience with it. I don't know if that's the case. That was kind of how my journey went. Um, But yeah, I I, I wish I had a deeper understanding of the polyvagal theory um, of, of, of the ways that, that really this, I was having a normal response, <laughs> that we're having a normal response to something that is toxic or, or dangerous um, or unsafe. That has been incredibly liberating for me and I think for my clients. So if there is somebody out there who's listening to this and really wondering or curious or feeling like it's time to dive into their own healing journey and their own experience of how to, to heal and to come to this place where they are able to have space, they're able to have choice in their lives, but maybe the thought of going to a therapist is terrifying. What thoughts might you have on, mm-hmm. you know, kind of initial steps that someone mm, could take? Well, I know that my, my journey to a therapist was certainly awkward and very scary, um, you know, I had a friend do a little mini intervention with me. Uh, she sort of, you know, shook me and said, you got to get help, Alicia. Um, and I was resistant and angry and did it. And I'm so grateful because it changed everything. Um, certainly a great place to start with embodiment and coming into what, you know, might be ha- what might be alive in you that you're not in relationship with with yet is yoga movement um and there's something powerful about um finding someone to talk to uh you know who's skilled and can hold space for you so i don't know from over here just having you know done me uh i would say do it just do it (laughs) (laughs) But do your research. Find someone who who you like, who who resonates with you. Yeah, I mean, these we're, we're people too. Therapists are people too. And any thoughts on how to do that research? Mm. I mean, I think the internet is really a gift and a curse in a lot of ways. And mm. so it can be like finding a needle in a haystack, right? That's like true. to find your person. But um, I guess my tip is really don't give up. Right. Like figure out, find 10 people, call them all and see how they resonate with you. But don't be surprised if if it's difficult initially to find your person and just don't give up on that would be one tip. Yeah. And and it is and it's an interview process. Mm -hmm. You get to interview them, ask them questions and 
see how they respond and how you feel about it. Yeah, I like that. Don't give up. Lola is a company founded by women for women that offers a line of tampons, pads, liners, and all-natural cleansing wipes. Lola makes your month a little bit easier, and their subscription service is brilliant. How many times have you run out of supplies when your period arrives? When I opened my first delivery, the inside of the box said, this too shall pass, and until it does, we've got you covered. There are so many reasons I love this product. I appreciate the flexible delivery options because Lola lets you choose your products, mix of absorbency, number of boxes, and how often you want deliveries. It's also reassuring to me that Lola products are 100% organic cotton and have no added chemicals, fragrances, synthetics, or dyes. As if that's not enough, for every purchase you make, Lola will donate feminine care products to homeless shelters across the United States. For 40% off all subscriptions, visit mylola.com and enter promo code JOY when you subscribe. And now, back to our show. Yeah, so, okay. Tell us about your own joy factor and what it means to you. Mm. Well, joy. I love that you named your podcast The Joy Factor, and I would love to hear more about why you did that if you're open to it. But I guess this is more about me right now. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is one of the reasons, you know, becoming a therapist, you get to listen. You don't actually have to talk, um, which is a <laughs> So my joy factor, you know, joy, I feel like has been so co-opted by our culture and by capitalist culture in particular. And we get really myopic about having to be joyful and be happy. And um, in that striving, you know, we lose our capacity to experience joy. So I have really shifted my understanding of happiness and joy over the years, for sure. I used to sort of um, get hard on myself that I wasn't more joyful and more happy. Um, and then I recognized that it's, it's like not a place you get to. It's a practice. Ah! And once I felt into that, then I just, it, it started to happen more, more easily with more ease. That's not to say it's still not a practice. It very much is. Um, but, you know, so my work is how do I let the mundane wake me up? And how do I find the joy in the mundane, the little bird in the bird bath or a, a pretty winter snow day or just going out and feeling the ground under my feet sparks joy. Good. Are there any other um, poems, hmm. quotes, like anything else in your world that is a touchstone for your own joy or inspiration? Well, I love I love Pema Chodron's quote on happiness, which I, I experience as a little bit differently than joy. Happiness is sort of more downward in my body, kind of more of a grounding experience, and joy is like a spark, maybe, with some activation and, and um, excitement. Um... But she talks about happiness as um, happiness is, is the capacity to experience 
the full range of human emotion. And I've found that really to be true for myself, that the more I'm in deep connection with my pain and my grief, the more capacity I have to receive joy and to experience joy. Um, And they come together. They're very much bound up. Um, So, you know, I guess another way that I practice joy is that I practice grief. Um, And I am very serious about my grief practice, Um, you know, to the point of offering grief circles for our community and um, normalizing grief, making space for grief, for community to come together and transmute grief, digest grief together. Um, And then always, always, always on the other end of feeling into that in community or even, you know, just with another person, um, there's just so much more room inside. Tell us a little more about your the grief work that you do in your community. Someone gave me um, a video, uh, it's actually an audio recording of um, this wonderful shaman named Martine Prechtel, and he has a book called The Grief is Praise, and or Grief and Praise, I can't remember if it's and or is, but um, he talks about how indigenous cultures in particular, this culture that he studied with to become a shaman in Guatemala, um, how they do grief and how different it is than how we do grief. We tend to shun it, uh, pathologize it, drug it, um, put it in you know institutions if people are struggling. But in this indigenous culture uh, in Guatemala, he talked about how if someone's on the street, borracho, they're drunk, they're, they're wailing and crying, that the people in the community come out and they, they listen. <laughs> they hold space for it. And because they know that if they don't, that energy will stay stuck. And so he also talks about how they would throw potlucks together and they come and they eat and then they grieve together for dessert. You know, that, that, that they understand the power of moving the energy through the community. And that stuck energy creates problems in community and in, in individuals, of course. Um, and then also how they, they you know, really hold up the women, the weepers, the keeners of the community who come in. They get hired, you know, with chickens and tortillas and pupusas to come in and, and move the stuck grief in a household after an event, after a trauma. And they come in and they weep and they keen and they move the energy through. Um, I would love to start a group of keeners who, who, who came, got hired and, <laughs> and mm-hmm. went to people's homes and just got the energy moving. Wouldn't that be profound? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm passionate about grief and grieving in community. What steals your joy, Mm. and how do you get it back? Well, what steals my joy is tension in my physical body, stress, um, my relationship to the now, or my lack of relationship to the now, really, Um, resistance to probably my own grief, 
when I'm in resistance to my own suffer, my own pain, my own sadness, um, I'm in resistance to everything. So, you know, really, it's how I get it back is is noticing, noticing that I'm pushing everything away. <clears throat> that I'm tight, my belly is tight, my jaw is tight, my heart is tight. Um, movement helps me soften my belly and open up. I have a daily yoga practice where I do a lot of heart, very gentle heart openers and breath work to expand my physical body into the tension and through the tension gently. Um, so when my body is soft, my heart is soft, my mind is soft, and I can experience whatever's here, and often there's a lot of joy, uh, but sometimes I just don't see it because uh, my body is tight and I'm in resistance. What would be, just on that same uh, vein of your yoga practice, mm-hmm. And there are many people who are have heard that yoga can be helpful, have maybe gone to a class and not had a great experience. What thoughts do you have or suggestions perhaps on how to pursue a yoga practice? Mm. Well, it took me a long time to find a daily practice. I really needed teachers. Um, because I didn't know what I was doing. So finding a trusted teacher was huge for me. Um, Someone that really, in my my view, understands trauma, um, is very sensitive to the dynamics of having the power as a teacher is a really big deal, and they hold that with a lot of care um, and insight and they can receive feedback, and they're capacious and loving and skilled, um, and understand yoga as much more than just an asana practice, a a practice in the physical body, that it's a spiritual practice. For me, that has been massively helpful, um, just in terms of growing my own interest in yoga and my own experience, direct experience with the practice, and then being able to bring it home uh, as something that I could be with on my own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially in the beginning when I had a lot of undigested trauma in my physical body and my breath body, and um, going into myself was terrifying. So I just needed support from someone who was skilled and kind and gentle. The, the, that felt really important in my journey yeah it's funny as you're talking I'm thinking about my very first yoga teacher Mm -hmm. and how I would see her walking around town and I had no idea who she was this is in Iowa City like back in the late 90s and I would see her and just wonder like who is that woman Mm -hmm. because she just had this power and this gentleness at the same time just you know hard to kind of put words to but um one day I saw a sign on the bulletin board at the co-op and I it was for yoga and I signed up for the class and 
Jenny Wolf was my teacher. <laughs> That's her name. And I just remember thinking, wow, this is really meant to be. Mm. You know, here is this person. And I still have, she would draw out each pose and a dis- and then write a description of each pose wow. on these um, colored paper handouts. So every week we got a lesson. Wow. And I still have my collection of handouts from that original wow. class. So it's amazing. There really are some people out there that, you know, are ready and willing and able to help you walk the path. Yes, um, you being one of them. P.S. Everyone, Julie Hansen is a wonderful therapist and yogi combination. Thank mm-hmm. you. I've actually experienced right. her work personally, so I can speak from experience. <laughs> <laughs> Ditto right back at you. And it's a real joy to be able to talk to you about these things and to have a little space to to work from because you're inspiring to me and you know as you're talking I'm trying to pay attention to every word but also kind of going off on these little other things I want to talk to you Mm -hmm. about but in the interest of moving on any other resources you know and when I think of a joy factor there's a lot of different pieces and one of the things that I'm curious about with people is you know literally what does that mean to you you know, if you Google joy factor, there's a, it's one of the things that educators look at in teaching students mm-hmm. is to kind of activate that joy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if there's anything else just in the spirit of a lot of times we take things serious too seriously. Mm-hmm. And we sort of lose sight of the fact that within each of us lies this capacity for joy. And, you know, I think about how difficult that can be to find and to even consider that that might be true in the face of, you know, suffering and um, struggle, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like, there's a lot of folks who just don't have time to sit and think, well, let me think about what joy factor means Mm -hmm. to me. And so any thoughts on resources or insight you might offer to somebody who really is just trying to get through the day right now? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I thank you for kind of naming what you did. And I, what came to me as you were talking was that joy really is um, kind of curiosity and playfulness and we can bring that to the hard. That's what I love about somatic experiencing is because it does invite people into that part of their being, the curious and playful part with the hard. And so it's sort of like carving a new neural platform right alongside the the one that's really deep in its grooves, the trauma one, um, so that we're holding the hard differently Right? It's sort of more with a tenderness and a softness and, um, and a joyfulness in a, in, a, in a way. So uh, in terms of resources, really it comes down to building capacity for joy. I, just the other day I was working with someone and she was sharing a really big, exciting thing in her life and she sort of went into it for a second and then moved right into judgment about how she wasn't doing other things 
And I was like, whoa, hang on a sec. Let's see if we can build some capacity for this exciting and joyful thing you're sharing with me. And it was hard. Um, It involved staying with pleasure. And, you know, for a lot of us, that's not a groove in the brain. It's just not a thing. Um, And so, again, it is very much about practice and commitment and intention and getting support because really all of this stuff is relational. <laughs> it's, it's about healing. Uh, healing is relational and, and we can't do it by ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I love, in terms of resources online, mm-hmm. I really use a lot and refer to a lot Tara Brock's website. She has tons of podcasts and meditations that are free. Um, and she's really funny and joyful and curious. <laughs> yes. And skilled. And she gets it. Oh, my goodness. And deep and lovely. So I, she has been a massive, um, a massive person in my growth and learning. Um, and also, I really love Pema Chodron's work, C-H-O-D-R-O-N. Um, she is also, she was sort of the person who helped me find my path. Wonderful. I would mm-hmm. agree with Tara Brock. I absolutely yes. love her work and just really enjoy her sense of humor. All right, Alicia, how can our listeners find you and what have you got cooking? Well, I've always got something cooking, which is <laughs> exhausting. I exhaust myself. Um, <laughs> fortunately, my husband is the actual cook in the home, so I can do these other things. Um <laughs> So I've got a couple things cooking. I've got my mitigating traumatic stress um, with somatic interventions for clinicians and practitioners who want to understand the polyvagal theory and its impact and um, how to use uh, body-based interventions to support regulation and joy. I also have a group starting at the end of February called Shifting the Deeper Layers, and it's yoga therapy and somatic experiencing. So I'm really looking forward to that. I also teach trauma-informed yoga to, to yoga teachers through Soul Yoga. Um, we've got, we're just finishing up a 50-hour training, and we'll probably start another 12-hour in June and then maybe another 50-hour again in the fall. So keep an eye out for that. And then you can find me on my website, ahimsa, A-H-I-M-S-A, ahimsatherapy.com. All right. Thank you so much for coming on today. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you for inviting me into deeper relationship to joy. It was really fun to actually pause and think about joy factor and sit with that. So thank you for that. I hope you felt the deep well of wisdom and compassion shared by Alicia today. Check out our show notes for more information on some of the topics discussed. And as always, your ratings and reviews matter. Find the joy factor on iTunes and leave us your honest opinions. I hope my interview with Alicia has inspired you to reflect on what kind of support and resources you may be in need of as you travel down your path to health, wellness, and joy. Thanks for joining us today.
Thank you for listening to The Joy Factor. For more information, visit www.thejoyfactorpodcast.com.